0: This is episode number 10 with Sue B. Zimmerman, the Instagram expert. Welcome to the Good Life Coach podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Good Life Coach podcast. This is Michelle, and I have on a very special guest today. If you are an entrepreneur And, or someone looking to expand your reach on social media, then you're gonna love the information provided by today's guest. On the show is Sue B. Zimmerman, also known as the Instagram expert. Sue has been named by Huffington Post as one of the top 50 must follow women entrepreneurs in 2017. And I actually first discovered her on Creative Live, and she was teaching a course on Instagram. And I just loved her energy and the way that she presented information. She's definitely a natural teacher. In today's episode, Sue shares her 10 best Instagram strategies. And if you listen to the end, she shares a resource, a free guide that you can download, and I'll have all of the details on the show notes page. So you can just listen and enjoy this conversation without feeling like you need to take notes. I'll have all of the details at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash 010 zero zero for this episode. But in addition to her Instagram strategies, Sue also shares her three best pieces of advice for business success. Sue's actually started 18 businesses, and as she tells us in this interview, they've not all been successful financially, but the lessons that she gained from all of the experiences she applies to her current business and life today. Sue is an influencer in her space, and you may already be familiar with her, but I'm hoping there's stories here that you have not heard before and will enjoy this great conversation with this super smart woman. Here we go. Hey, Sue B., welcome to the show. Hey, I'm excited to be here. I'm so thrilled to have this conversation with you today. I find you really fascinating. Um, I know, well, you are a serial entrepreneur. You launched your first million-dollar business at the age of 22. You had numerous other businesses. You've been on QVC. You've had a boutique clothing store and now are affectionately known as the Instagram expert. So I just get curious when I meet somebody like you and wonder what the mindset is that allows you to be so successful. But I'm wondering, instead of starting at your first company, Boxer Rebellion, which we'll come back to you, can you take us back to Sue as a young girl and how your love of entrepreneurship originated? I got to believe that you've Uh had this fire in you since you were a little kid
1: totally did. I was that brownie that sold the most cookies when I could win a prize. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So I used to um, spend a lot of time with my dad who is also very entrepreneurial. He owned a automobile parts store in Lawrence, Massachusetts. I grew up in Andover and on Saturdays I used to go in early in the morning, 5 a.m., so I could spend the whole day with him. He did pay me, but I learned a lot about filing mufflers and distributors and just hanging out with the guys and sweeping the floor and greeting the customers and noticing all the things around me. And I think my biggest takeaway from that experience was just how important it is to know the names of the people that you do business with.
0: Wow. That's interesting. Okay. Can you say more? Yeah.
1: So I know today as uh, the leading Instagram educator that, you know, there's over a billion people on Instagram and I have conversations with people every day, whether it's in the feed of my post or whether it's in an Instagram direct message. And I believe that when I can actually like type their name or say their name in a video, you get their attention because everyone's favorite word is their name. And so knowing the names of the customers that walked into the door that my dad was selling these automobile parts to, I could tell they had a deeper connection than just being a customer walking in the door. It was a person that they cared about and a relationship that they nurtured. And then I would see the same people come back week after week.
0: So that is so your personality. You are such a connector and you're such a heart centered entrepreneur. I feel like that's what makes you stand out a bit from you know other people that I've learned from, and I l- love that about you. I genuinely love that. I think you have such a great energy, and I find that whenever I'm watching you teach something, whether it's through Creative Live or that's where I first learned of you, actually. Um, ah! Yeah, I was there. I was like, oh, she seems cool. And you were from Boston. And I was like, oh, this is great. I need to learn from this person. Um, I just, I always find myself smiling. And I'm wondering, let's talk about these sort of quality traits that you developed as a little kid. So you were excited about selling and earning the prize for brownies. Um, How did that translate into deciding, though, to launch a business when you were 22 years old? Were you just out of college, by the way, at that age, too?
1: Oh, actually, I I launched my first business when I was 13. So I, my dad, as I said, worked at this automobile parts store. And he also, as a hobby, painted models in our basement and let me hang out with him and paint those models. And I saw that the paint, it it was oil paint, probably, (laughs) probably not the healthiest thing to be breathing in these days. (laughs) Kind of like those, you know, scented markers. But um, I bought barrettes at CVS or Walgreens or whatever, whatever that department store was back in the day. And it, they were metal clips that you could put in your hair. And it this was back in the day when it was really preppy. I lived in Andover, Massachusetts. So it was all about lacrosse shirts and Mm -hmm. polo shirts and all that. So I painted with the model paint on these barrettes and I clipped them to a ribbon. I painted strawberries and rainbows and all the emojis that we now see today on Instagram, seriously. I was wow. painting I was painting them as a as a young girl and I brought them to school and I sold them at recess when I wasn't supposed to be. So even back in the day <laughs> I was a rule breaker, and I'm still a rule breaker. I'm not breaking any laws; I'm just breaking the rules. I always, I always trendsetter.
0: I'd say trendsetter. Yeah,
1: yeah, things on my own terms. So anyway, so so this money afforded me the things that my parents weren't willing to buy me. It gave me the confidence. It it let me express myself creatively, and I'm an artist at heart. And so. It was just like, wow, I'm making something, I'm creating something, and there's a market. There there are people that want what I am creating. And that was the kind of young mindset that I had, building that confidence and, and creating And then subsequently taking that further in college, I used to hand paint clothing and I hand painted T-shirts for people. I hand painted boxer shorts. And when I graduated from Simmons College with a degree in nutrition, which I really shouldn't have done, but I did, um, I should have gone to business school. But anyway, I went off with my roommate from college who was going to Virginia to get her first job as a nurse. And I decided, what the heck, let me explore life outside of New England. And I moved to Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia. And I started, I was still painting clothing. And I, I rented a push cart at what's called six street, uh, water, the Waterside, um, very similar to what's kind of here in downtown Boston at Faneuil hall. And I started making money. I was selling all kinds of clothing, painting it, I was like Rapunzel at night. I was painting during the day I was painting. And then at night, like I was waitressing to pay for all the bills. And then I just started painting boxer shorts, like nonstop. And I knew light bulb moment that that was the thing. That was the thing no one else was doing. That was the thing that was a little rad because it was underwear and no one was wearing them as outerwear. And it became like the Hallmark card. I knew that, if I could create reason to purchase like a Hallmark card did, whether it's Father's Day graduation, we did some for the elections when, when Bush and Duke were running like way back in the day. And mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, we just created reason to purchase. And then I ended up going to the Javits Center in New York City with a tiny little four by eight booth with hand painted samples and selling them like crazy to department stores like Filene's, Jordan's Resort's they're like, oh my goodness, like these boxer shorts say, you know, there's a party in my pants and you're invited. (laughs) They love love them. They love them. Of course. Yeah. Humor sells. And um, we were able to do custom ones. And when I say we, I ended up having a business partner because I connected with an artist where I was selling the boxer shorts. He was like hustling at one of these fast food places and he had a different style of art and painting than I did. And we ended up being business partners. So Michael and I worked like, we were like the dynamic duo in the booth and like, I loved selling and I, and probably because I never worked for anybody, I didn't have all these, like, this isn't politically correct to like approach a guy and, and like, be in front of them in my underwear and like selling boxers or I don't know. I just didn't care. So um, I just was able to go to sales meetings and close deals very quickly. Uh, fast forward, we got licenses with Disney and the Little Mermaid and the Simpsons. Wow. And then I knew that the gold mine was really in the college campuses. So we went to all the college trade shows and got licenses for all the college – colleges and universities in the United States. And that's when the business exploded. We did over a million dollars my first year in business.
0: That is such an incredible story. I I just find it really interesting, though, because, you know, when you said at 22, you had a degree in nutrition and yet you went in this direction that was totally entrepreneurial and super creative. You know, most of us were thinking about, okay, I got to get a job. I'm going to earn a nine to five paycheck. And we're not thinking out of the box. So take me into like your mindset. I just am curious about, you know, you you weren't thinking to yourself, I'm going to start this entrepreneurial venture. It seems like it happened very organically. But as you saw interest and you found your passion with it, what Mm -hmm. was the mindset to, to, you know, were you thinking of yourself at some point? Like, oh, I'm a business person. Like, I'm just curious about the mindset that you. Yeah, that's.
1: Yeah. So that's a great question. So I studied nutrition for all the wrong reasons. Like many women, young girls, teenagers, I had an eating disorder and I thought by learning more about nutrition, I would resolve that. And the truth is it was resolved when I started doing what I loved and I gained confidence and loved the work that I produced. So My eating disorder went away when I started Boxer Rebellion, this business in Virginia, and I felt like very purposeful every day in what I was doing. And I loved it. I loved selling. I ended up managing 50 sales reps. I traveled all over the world at trade shows. And I just was in my zone of genius. And that's when everything clicked for me. So like anything else in life, if you feel good doing something, you want that endorphin rush, you want more of that. And so the positive reinforcement were the orders that came in, were the checks that came in, was the growth of my Mm -hmm. business. And I wanted more, that became my drug, like that success. And I wanted more and I wanted more and I wanted to expand. And so we not only wholesaled our boxer shorts, we ended up having little kiosks in other locations like Uh, Sixth Street Marketplace in Richmond, Virginia. That's not there anymore. But Baltimore Harbor Place, I had a push cart. And I traveled and and I lived like on couches, my cousin's couch in Baltimore. I lived in Richmond, Virginia for a while. And I opened up these kiosks because at the time, retail was really, really good. And these little push carts did amazing for the square footage. And so it was um, a very successful business. And then retail kind of Took a turn for the worse, and I ended up doing a lot of direct to consumer selling. So I sold my part of the business to my partner. I moved back to Boston and I opened up push carts. A couple of them here locally, but more importantly, started doing direct consumer selling. I physically put myself on college campuses, paid money to student activities, and I set up. I was like, you know, um, Dr. Seuss, the snitcher, like a snitcher, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> I would come in. With, I would come in with my little display. I would make thousands and thousands of dollars, and then I would pack it up and I would leave. And I would do it again the next day. Pack it up and leave. And I did a lot of trade shows. I did the garden show. I did the boat show. I did the temples. I did the churches. I did the craft shows. And so when I say direct to consumer selling, I understand how to sell to a customer one to one, not through a sales funnel or through um, like having my product on the shelf. Although we did wholesaling with Fox the Rebellion, I just learned to listen to what my customers wanted and needed and then was able to deliver all of that. So it was like an evolution of listening.
0: And noting what the
1: market was demanding, like really paying attention to the market.
0: Yeah. And I've, I've noticed that. So not everyone is aware of your story and, you know, and I love that I'm learning even more about it. Cause like I said, the more I learn about you, the more fascinated I am, but Mm -hmm. it's true though, Sue, because you know, it's just very curious to me. So you were doing this massively huge, you know, venture Mm -hmm. Um, And just listening to the customer and expanding. And you talked about how you switched gears as the market would shift. Like you seem to have a good intuition to know when and what to do. And so I guess that's what makes me curious. So you... You switched so many times though. So but yeah. it seems like the the essence of what you do and how you do it stays the same. In other words, you always listen to the customer. You're an amazing connector. You care about putting your best quality out there and really listening to what the needs are and solving for that. So then you did it again though. So so what makes you at some point say, okay, like this has been great, but it's time to move on? Cause you've had how many ventures in total now to, to date?
1: Uh, 18 different businesses. So okay, I 18. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so, so yeah. take us
0: to like, you know, what's the, the, what what's makes the reason? Yeah. yeah. Well, what makes so, you shift?
1: So either, either I can tell the market has changed so significantly that it's time to move on. A lot of people hold on to their business cause that's all they know and they just fight the fight and it's like time to let go. It's time to, you know, cash in the towel and just, and just move and and pivot and morph and change, and so I am really good at understanding and seeing market trends and changes, and I know how to seize them depending on what's going on. I just have always been that person. I I knew that Crocs were going to be huge because they were ugly, they were colorful, they came in every size, they were for guys, they were for girls, they were for they were for seniors, they were for babies, and there's no other product in the world like that except for a pair of jeans. Right. So I, I knew that Crocs were going to be massively huge. And so I got involved. I sold those, um, uh, their competitor, Holy Souls, and I helped develop the gibbets, the little cute icons that go in the, the yep. Crocs. Because I remember those that's where the money was more so than the Crocs. It's like that personalization, that customization, and that's the reoccurring theme throughout all of my businesses is the more you can customize and cater to the experience of the individual that you're trying to serve, the more they feel special and the more they feel connected. And that's true to its day today as I teach Instagram marketing.
0: Yeah, but it it makes me wonder too, I mean, do you love the creation piece? Because it's, you know, I... Like, is that what partially drives you? Uh, I do get.
1: I'm a very emotionally tied to what I've built in six years with my community. Like, I'm extremely tied to my community. I've never really have had an online business teaching until this business. All my previous businesses were mostly product based businesses. So, becoming an online educator and globally recognized. Is pretty awesome. I mean, seriously, I was in Iceland with my husband in a hole in the wall cafe. And this woman came up to me like, oh, my God, it's Subi Zimmerman from Instagram. And I looked at my husband. I'm like, OK, is this really happening? Um, she wanted a selfie. She was from Russia and she follows me. And that was in Iceland of all places. So I just love that I can literally connect to a global audience like no other business that I've had.
0: Yeah, this is so I'd love to get into the Instagram piece in a minute. So that's what I'm curious about. So when you had the product-based businesses, your last stop before the Instagram expert, before you switched gears to get into social media marketing and um, becoming an influencer and a leader in that space, was you had a boutique clothing store. So take us to the clothing store and and how you ended up you know, deciding it yeah. was time to le- let that go to go in this direction. Because like you said, it's mostly been product-based. Now, this is now uh, to to the actual helping other people?
1: Let's back up two businesses. So for my QVC business, which was called Treasure It, I was on QVC twice and we hit our numbers with our QV. I had a business partner for that as well. Another mother with twins with three daughters like myself. And we created this huge craft business and I embellished scrap photos uh, for scrapbooking. And I sold Products for that, and we were in debt because we couldn't get a patent for the product that we sold, mm. and we were just simply spinning our wheels with with that business. And so I knew that it was time to exit. And this is an example of knowing that we didn't have a patent. I mean, this would have been like being on Shark Tank, and we would have been in front of them, and they would have been like, eh, "Out of the room, you don't have a patent." Right. And so, great idea, but no patent. So you don't have, you can't own it. So. I knew that, that there wasn't any legs to 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 really travel further than what we had done but we were in Michaels we were in AC Moore and I did great I mean in terms of I learned lessons I was on QVC that was a huge opportunity from there I realized like I needed to quit and stop and sell out uh um to, with my partner because it wasn't going anywhere and I went back to what I knew which was selling products and I love merchandising and I was able to put together a whole brand around my name, Subidu. Uh, Subi is Beth is my middle name. And I created a, I created a retail opportunity initially selling again, direct to consumers prior to opening up my little seaside shop on Cape Cod, which by the way was seasonal, only opened in the summer. So the off season I taught social media. I, always have loved social media. My brain is wired for social mm-hmm. media, and I've been teaching it for t- for 10 years. I know a lot about social media, but I understood that in order to really attract a specific market, I needed to niche down. And so I went all in on Instagram, partly because my twins were on it. And I know that teenagers set mobile trends. And the other mm-hmm. part was because it was all about visual storytelling. And that's what I was really good at. So because From doing Instagram and marketing my store, my products that I was selling, my jewelry, my clothing, my accessories, my sales increased so significantly that I realized I needed to teach other businesses how to do it, how Mm -hmm. to do it well. And that was the evolution of me saying, okay, I need to teach other people how to use Instagram. No one knows how to use it the way that I do. And what do I need to do to put myself out there into the world? And that was really where it started.
0: Wow. Um, so this is so great. And I appreciate that you talked about some of the the fails, too, because there's so much learning in there. Oh, yeah, for sure. And being able to pivot and just know when it's time to go. So you, I know you have three daughters. So when you had some of these ventures, you were also working as well. And, you know, I don't really believe that there's always perfect balance, but I'm curious if you could share any strategies that you found were beneficial to you when you had the young, when your children were younger and you were running some of these entrepreneurial ventures?
1: Yeah. So my daughters only know me as the mom that does what she loves to do and work never felt or looked like mom's going to work today. Um, Mom was kind of always working in the house. There was a period where I taught art classes in the house to my daughter's age. Um, I used to do camps in the backyard when my twins were little and I just figured out how to make money and have a sense of self as I was raising my kids. And as they got older, I would take them with me, never two at one time, because they would always be fighting, but I would take I would take them with me. And yeah, they love to help me merchandise. They love to help me check out and swipe on the square and I taught them how to sell and Kira, one of my twins is like, mom, you know, she worked at the farmer's market at a juice counter. And she's like, I am so good at selling because you taught me how to put something Mm. in someone's hand. And once it's in their hand, even if it was green juice, it's hard to say no. Um, So, (laughs) so my daughters have learned a lot from me, but mostly what they've learned is to be fiercely independent and to never settle, to just take a J-O-B just to make money.
0: I love that. I love that yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because for most of my daughter's, you know, childhood until about a few years ago, she's was used to mommy being at home, and so she's seeing me full of passion and life, and it's fun. It's fun to see her reaction and with the podcast, and she knows that it's global, and she says, "Oh, mom, does that feel good to know that you know you're reaching and helping people?" And I'm like, I, I, "Mom loves that," and I think it is empowering for. Her our kids, especially our girls, to see us empowered and doing what we love. Um, but what about self-care? Because one of the things that I enjoy watching uh-huh. on your Instagram, yes. on your Sue B. Zimmerman Instagram page is, you know, is your commitment to self-care. So you're either rollerblading, you're on your bike, you're drinking a green juice, you're Kicking a bag, you're boxing, you're dancing yeah. with your husband. And I love it. Um, and I think that one thing that women do struggle with, especially when our kids are younger, is that balance of, um, and even if you don't have kids, it's that balance as of being an entrepreneur and making time for our self-care. But it seems like you've got that down pretty well. And I don't know if you always have, but could you share some tips on how to keep that going and to to take care of yourself as well as nurture building a business.
1: Yeah. So I've always, I've always been active. I've been an athlete, you know, I've always prioritized workouts and I really believe that your health is your wealth period because without it, you got nothing people, you got nothing. So Mm -hmm. if you're sitting on your ass all day, working in front of the computer, it's time to get up and get those stretchy bands and put them on your legs go for a walk go for a bike ride whatever so I every day I put on my workout clothes first thing in the morning unless I have to be on video and even when I have to be on video it's only on the top you guys like for example tonight <laughs> at tonight at 9 p.m. EST, I go live every Monday on the Instagram expert and I teach live and I probably have workout pants on under my dress or my top because I prefer to be comfortable all day and I it reminds me to do something active on a regular basis so I prefer workout clothes to any kind of clothes and that's like non-negotiable I also am really big into drinking water all day and lemon water and green juices like you said and you know I'm, I'm all about walking the talk. If you hear me talking about anything, it's because I actually do it. It's not just to get notoriety or to look successful or to gain respect. It's like, that is who I am. Um, and so I've just set myself, I have certain, Criteria of what I will or won't do or won't compromise throughout my day. And even though it gets darker here earlier in Boston, if I haven't walked outside a couple times, I will still go outside in the dark and move, you know, I'm all about, you know, physically
0: moving. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's so helpful for other people to hear and absolutely your health is your wealth for sure. Um, but you have to make time for it and prioritize yourself as well as your business. And, you know, it's making me think, Sue, because a lot of people kind of romanticize the idea of entrepreneurship and you've had so many ventures, like you said, some successful and others not um, in right. terms of financial, although there's always lessons along the way Um, What qualities do you believe that somebody needs to have in order to really ride out both the good and, well, more of the down times, but to keep motivated, to keep going and be successful in whatever's in their heart, to follow through on their own passions? Yeah. So if
1: you're not 100% in and completely confident with what you do or what you sell, then no one else is going to buy into it. So I only sell what I truly believe in is going to help someone. So, I believe as a marketer, as a business owner, it's your job to let people know what you do and how you can help them. It's not their job to figure it out. So, if your messaging isn't clear and concise, then there's a struggle. And I am all about confidently communicating what I do because I know that I can help a business owner get more exposure online attract more of their followers or ideal clients and ultimately make money doing what they love. I mean, I know that to be true because I've done it with a thousand different business owners.
0: Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. And in terms of, you know, um, I actually want to get into the Instagram a bit because everyone's on there now and so many people are using it for your business, uh, for their businesses. Um, but I'm just curious, you know, um, When you started the Instagram expert, you know, and kind of launched this, you had a motto um, that you've shared with me and that you share with, you know, the women and the people that you work with that I love so much. And I think it's important to have something to fall back on. And yours, one of them, I should say, is slow and steady wins the race. Uh What What does that mean to you? And how have you used this motto to consistently create success and to keep, to keep or to, you know, to keep going?
1: So for me, success is having, is surrounding myself with the right team to reach goals collectively and to honestly pay them well so that they can have the livelihood and have the job that they're interested in. And I am not that online marketer that says, look at me, I've done seven figures and we're so successful. I am all about having a company that's healthy, that's running, and we all get to have this work-life balance on our own terms that works for each one of us individually. And I I just think that there's a lot of people online that aren't always being 100% truthful with what they do or how much money they make. And they, they think that by talking about money all the time, It's going to get people to invest in them when I am so much more interested in having money in the bank (laughs) and a profit as opposed to saying how many millions of dollars we're making or not. You know, it's just not, I, I think that a lot of people have to do their due diligence more than ever when they're hiring or investing in someone online that's teaching and educating them and really looking closely at those testimonials and reaching out to the people who have gone through the program or who have worked with a certain coach. Because I talk to a lot of people who don't get what they thought they were going to get when they signed up for something. And I don't want to be that person where someone says, well, she said she was going to give me this, and then I didn't get that. Um, and so success for me is... Slowly and steadily growing our business, attracting people into our email list every single day and growing our list because it's a numbers game. The more people you have on your email list, the more money you make. But more importantly, nurturing those relationships and treating each email subscriber as an individual. Like there's a person behind that email, you know, like there's a person behind that avatar. And I really care about, deeply care about one-to-one relationships that I believe turn into one-to-many.
0: I love it. And I love it too, because it seems like it was an early lesson that you learned working with your dad too. So I think that's kind of beautiful too, right? It stayed with you and you learn the power. And it's just also, I know it's just in your heart to be that way. Um, just from every interaction I've ever had with you. So, um, you know, since I have you and there are people who do want to use Instagram to grow their businesses, can you share some of your top favorite tips to, um, to grow your audience on Instagram?
1: Sure. Let's talk about some resources for everyone listening. So for, sure, for starters, you guys, make sure you head on over to YouTube, uh, subiezimmerman.com slash YouTube, because you can be there for days, weeks, months, and learn and learn and learn if you want more. And also, I have a free Facebook group, Instagram Results with an S for Business. That you can join. There's over 10,000 people in that group. But my my top tips are, you know, it's growing. Instagram's growing. There's over a billion monthly active users. And when I first started teaching it, there was 140 million. So clearly, wow. there's more pe- there's more people on the platform. But more importantly, there's more places for people to hang out. So whether it's the feed or whether it's stories or whether it's Instagram Live or IGTV, the attention is divided. So it's important for you to know. How can you touch that person you're trying to talk to and where are they hanging out? And so I'm all about creating content in all the different areas on Instagram. I call them neighborhoods that will ultimately build that trust with those that I want to be serving and helping, which primarily are women entrepreneurs looking to make an impact and leave a legacy doing what they love. And so I know who I'm talking to and that's who I'm trying to attract every day. And on Instagram, there's so many things that are important. It's important that you have a avatar photo that's professional, that stands out from the pack. It's important that you have a good username that's not confusing, that is memorable. It's important that you craft a bio that says who you are, what you do and why you do it. You have three to six seconds to make an impression. And if you don't, people aren't going to stick around And it's extremely important to have a visual story that is aesthetically grounded in a theme or something memorable so that whenever your post lands in someone's newsfeed, they know that it's you and they want to go see it and they want to go read it. They want that resource. They want that tip. They want to learn from you. They want to get inspired from you. Or maybe they even just want to laugh because you're funny. Like there has to be some value that you are providing consistently that is all about them and not about you. And this is like a common mistake that people make. They just put things up on Instagram that they like and there's no rhyme or reason, there's no filter, it's all random and they just get random results and they don't take Instagram seriously, they take it like a hobby and then they just give up and they quit and they think, well, that isn't gonna work for me. Um, Like anything else in life, Slow and steady wins the race, like I said earlier. And you've gotta you've got to test and you've gotta see what people like and what they don't like and what hashtags you're using that actually work and what content you're sharing that actually creates conversation in your post. And it's honestly that conversation that leads to building an authentic community. And from there, once you have a community, well, that's that's the secret to success, your community talks about you and at their parties, at their networking events, when they go to a trade show or a conference. And um, the amplification happens from those that are getting value day in and day out from your efforts of posting on Instagram.
0: Those are great. Your brand is 100% true to who you are. And so I think that's important for all of us as we're on Instagram or in social media is to make sure that we have a congruent brand in the same way. So you, you're also walking your talk in that way.
1: Yeah. Let me just talk to the brand for, for a second. So, you know, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, what should my logo look like? What should my brand colors be? But it's so much more than that. Your brand is literally everything that you do, your core values, the way you show up, the way you dress, the way you talk, your body language And those are the things that people remember about you. Those are the things that people talk about. So even the emojis that you use and the way that you write and sign off on an email, like I have, you know, it says hugs and hashtags, like intentionally Mm -hmm. using the word hashtags and, you know, like I like literation. So like it's every single thing I do in my business is with great intention. And that is what your listeners really need to understand when it comes to building a successful business on Instagram is how can you stand out from what everyone else who does what you do? How can you stand out and be different? What are the things about you that are different from the other person who's selling real estate or who's the author of a book about personal well-being? Like there's got to be, you've got to go deep into all those personal characteristics. And a lot of people don't, or they don't think people are interested enough in, in looking at them or seeing them or talking, you know, talking to those points.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you shared that because, you know, even on their website that, that all that needs to be there and you need to dig deep to tell that story. So I'm wondering, you've launched so many different ventures and some of them you've partnered and in your your recent business now with the Instagram expert, you manage and have on staff nine different people. You know, yeah. I think one thing that entrepreneurs, especially in the early days, struggle with is knowing, when do you bring somebody on? How do you, you know, know when it's time? And, you know, how do you make that transition naturally? I mean, over six years, that's that's a lot of people that you're managing. So if you could share any wisdom on that, it would be so appreciated.
1: Yeah. So um, fortunately, I have a COO, Morgan Sutton, who literally manages my whole team. She and I collaborate daily on certain issues, but she's definitely the person orchestrating the flow of tasks and projects so that we are super productive and are able to all work in our Best strengths in our, you know, I say our zone of geniuses. So, so Morgan, you know, because she, her background is all about engineering, systems engineering, and management, engineering management. She she understands that kind of flow. Whereas I am front facing educator, entrepreneur, a little ADD, all over the place, and I love to teach and empower and inspire and help people make more money doing what they love. We have been very fortunate with our team and who we've brought on, who all, all have different strengths. And like Morgan and I say, we we are constantly saying what we like and what we don't like. And if we feel like someone else can do something that we're not particularly enjoying, but that's what they love to do, we want to bring them on because we're able to then be so much more focused on our talents and growing the business strategically.
0: Yeah, that's super helpful because I think that a lot of people too, they like to control every step of the way. And it's very hard for them to step back and let somebody else take something on, even if they have the expertise. So, um, but it's obviously so important to do that. So Sue, I'd love to uh, wrap it up with your three best pieces of advice for the women who are listening, who want to go out there and be successful in their ventures. Um, what can you offer them to to um, find success on their own journey? Well, first of all,
1: I think that the whole confidence piece is what I hear as a reoccurring um, roadblock for a lot of women. Like, they just don't have the confidence. They always ask me, how do you have so much confidence? And I'm like, because I really don't care what people think about me. I know what I'm doing is helping. And you have to have thick skin. Not everyone's going to like you. Uh, They might not like your Boston accent or not. Um, And you just have to deal with it. Like you just have to be like, okay, but serve those that do like you. So one is having confidence. Two is really stepping into your greatness and doing what you love on your terms, even if your competitor or someone that you admire is doing it differently. It has to feel good for you. It, it can't be like, oh, this person who does what I do is doing it this way, so therefore that must be the only way and the right way and the best way. And I'm always looking at a different way. I'm all about being different and um, thinking outside the box and, like I said, being a little bit of a rule breaker, making noise, setting myself apart from everyone else as creatively and you know ethically as possible. And so I think just stepping into who you are and not, and number three is not feeling like you need permission from anyone, anyone in in your life, even your husband or your wife or your partner. It, It has to be, are you living your life on your own terms? Are you stepping in to what you love and truly serving those that you want to be serving? Because when you do this, day in and day out, in my opinion, it's living life full on. And I kind of have my blinders on to the crap going on around me, if it's not serving me, like I only want to put myself in situations that make me feel good, where I'm doing what I love. And um, like, I don't tolerate things that just aren't nice or kind or, or, meaningful. Like I, I just have such a standard, especially at this stage of my life where I'm out to make a difference in a big ass way. And I want to leave a kick ass legacy for my three daughters and for those who are in my community. And I feel really, really good with what I've done. And I don't think I've had this feeling from any other business that I've had, because I haven't made the same impact that I have made with this business. And when you have this feeling of making an impact doing what you love, and you don't think about the money every day, the money follows. It just does. You just have to break through. And when you have that breakthrough, so many people say to me, oh my God, Sue, you said this. Slow and steady wins the race. I'm relentlessly doing all the things, all the things. Growing an email list, having an online presence, you know, stepping into my zone of genius, being myself, having the branding, and like not giving a shit what any other, anybody else thinks. And when you do all that, in my opinion, from my experience of being an entrepreneur for over 30 years and having 18 businesses, magic happens. And you live a life of purpose and meaning and contentment.
0: Yes, yes, and yes. Like I loved everything you just said. Um, thank you so much for all of that. and um, And that's really what this platform is about too. It's about you know, bringing great people like you on who can share these amazing stories and lessons learned so that people have the courage to then follow through on what's in their heart to do so that they're living their, you know, most fullest, happiest life that's true to who they are. So thank you. Thank you for that. That was so good. Um, oh, you're welcome. So I'm wondering, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wished I had today?
1: Yeah. So let me invite your listeners all to come on over to the Instagram expert. That is my business account. So if you are down for learning Instagram tips, tactics, updates, that's the account. That's my business account. Say hi, mention Michelle in this podcast, and let me know what your biggest takeaway was today. Or if you want to know what the life of a successful business owner in Boston, Massachusetts looks like on a regular basis, head on over to my personal account, and Zimmerman, because I share behind the scenes of life with my family, where I travel and my core values, and you can really get to know me a little bit more intimately from that account. And then finally, I have a team account, which I don't manage. My team does. It's the SBZ team. So if you have a team and you're thinking of creating an Instagram account for your team, that is a really good representation of how to do it well. And that's what I've got for you today.
0: You were amazing. Thank you. I was just going to ask you where everyone can find you because I know they're going to want to learn more about you and your amazing work. And I just want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for your time today. You were yeah. great.
1: Yeah. And one more thing, you guys, I have a free gift for you. I forgot to mention. Oh, um please. Please com slash guide. That is my 12 page Instagram strategy guide that will get you going with a worksheet and ninja tips. And if you're new to Instagram marketing, you definitely want to download that.
0: Awesome. I'll definitely be linking everything in the show notes so that everyone can find you and all of these great resources. Super easy. So thank you so much, Sue. I appreciate your time today. Oh, my pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Sue is such a wealth of knowledge, and with 30 years of experience, she had such great tips to share from all of her various businesses and what she learned from that. So, I would love to hear what most resonated for you though. She left us with great Instagram tips as well as business tips and just general philosophies. So, Come on over to the goodlifecoach.com forward slash zero one zero. And you can leave a comment there, which I will share with Sue or come on over to Instagram. As Sue would say, the gram is my jam. And so I'm sure she'd love to hear what your key takeaways were. You can go to Michelle with one L underscore Lamoreau. That's L-A-M-O-U-R like the word love in French, l'amour but then e-u-x l-a-m-o-u-r-e-u-x and all that information is on my show notes page and uh, definitely leave your key takeaway and be sure to tag sue at sue b zimmerman and don't forget to get your free instagram action guide over at sue b zimmerman.com forward slash guide Thank you again for tuning in today. I hope this left you with lots to think about and look forward to reconnecting next Wednesday. Bye for now.